Welcome into another edition of the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm John ne- John Niatawa. Can't even say my name. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a, a wild couple weeks. You've been up yeah. night. You've been up late nights. Yeah. <laughs> Early morning. Coffee here. We're good. <laughs> uh, Super Bowl has happened, so we're ready to turn the page into basketball season. And we've got Tom Chattel joining myself and Chris Hetty on the Half Court Press. Tom, thanks for coming in. Yes, who we'll talk hoops? Glad to have you here to talk some hoops. I guess we're going to start with Creighton. I mean, yes, we're going to start. Yes, we're going to. Yeah, <laughs> we're definitely going to start with Creighton. You, 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 Chris is ready to push Nebraska banter to the back burner for just for a bit. Yeah, I mean, like Fred Hoiberg, uh, I'm I'm I, uh, I'm not as frustrated with Fred Hoiberg as Fred Hoiberg with the team because I don't have an emotional uh, connection to them. Uh, but there's no point in talking to, about them for very long because we can all here. We can talk about them real quick. They're not good. It's not getting better. Let's talk about Creighton. The Jays are getting better. They are. Um, and it was one of the sort of the themes that I kind of pinpointed going into the Villanova game on Saturday. They, they, the players talked all week about, um, you know, the little things that held them back against Nova in the first game in Omaha where they led for 35 minutes or so, and then Villanova made a push at the end and, and won the game in their house. And a lot of players, I mean, it bothered a lot of Creighton players. And the way it happened, the fact that they knew that they had the game in their grasp and Villanova took it from them. Um, and so I, I was kind of curious to see, well, are they going to fix some of these things? And so they went to Villanova and proved that they have taken another step and, and beat the Wildcats in a game that um, I think now has allowed Creighton fans to start dreaming a little bit, as we were kind of talking mm-hmm. before the podcast. Suddenly you go to Villanova and you win. Um, you sort of reinsert yourself in the Big East title race. Uh, you get – ranked in the top 25 poll again 21st that's where the jays are this week uh, the uh, bracketologists are put picking creighton as a five seed maybe as high as a four seed in places like suddenly the thoughts aren't oh how are the jays going to survive with this size these size issues and the depth concerns and are they going to rely too much on three pointers can they make it through the next game it's more about how far can this team go and so that's a fun conversation. Now reality might hit them, uh, hit Creighton fans right in the right smack in the face on on Wednesday when they play Providence because Providence is a desperate team that's going to be uh, sort of circling Creighton and and painting a target on Creighton's back, hoping that it can get a win. But at least for this time being, everything's good. Mm-hmm. Tom, yeah. what's your what's your impression? No, it's what right. Creighton's then there's something about beating Nova. You know, Seton Hall's at the top of the league, but when you beat Nova. That's the, the standard, and uh, everything starts with that. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, you, you, you do start dreaming, and, and that's okay. Um, now, you and I have covered the last two NCAA tournaments, um, Sacramento and then uh, uh, Charlotte, where they didn't show up. Uh, the first year, uh, 17, I think it was, or the, the Mo Watson, was that 17 or 16? Yeah, the year that Mo Watson got hurt was uh, yeah. 17, 2017. Right, that was, that was the team. Uh, then he had his problem, or his, his, his off-the-field deal, off-the-court deal, and the team chemistry came apart during all that uh, because of that. There, there were some issues on the team with how Creighton handled uh, Mo Watson. And, I wouldn't say um, it came apart, Tom, but I would say it splintered. It splintered, I'm yeah. sorry. Exactly. Um, you should be a writer. Um, <laughs> the um, so, but basically, was you know that team didn't show up in Sacramento. It, it didn't even play close to its potential. 
Same thing happened in Charlotte. For whatever reason, I don't think they had an excuse in Charlotte. I'm really curious to see. I mean, this team looks different. We've written about it all year. Um, it's got more of an edge. It does. It's tougher. Now, there have been moments of toughness for Creighton over the years. They've gotten up and beaten teams at home. They 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 won tough games, hit tough shots. Um, but this one seems to have a motor, and the motor is not 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 just Marcus Zagorowski. It's all three guards, and everybody everything feeds off them. The whole team kind of feeds off those guys, and I'm um, to see if they can keep it going. If they show up every game this month. And how Mac handles though know, this is when the, the real savvy vet, veteran coaches, you know they have a team, they you know they, they start cracking the whip right about Valentine or Valentine's Day. You start cracking the whip and you start, okay, we've got to we've got to maintain our edge. This, this is the the big push. We got to play. It's it's another five or six weeks. Let's go. So I'm anxious to see how they, if they can maintain all that. And uh, it's great. I mentioned to see how they're playing on Seton Hall because the kind of team that that, that, that that could derail them from getting to the second weekend, and that second game is like a Kentucky or a Michigan State team that's got talent and length and size, that's got bigs that handle the ball uh, and run. Um, I'm anxious to see how they, how they play Seton Hall. Those two games are going to be really interesting. And 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 I, th- I believe they host Seton Hall the very last game. Yep. So, mm-hmm. and um, anyway, so it's it's great. Um, the, the, you know, yeah, they they've got deficiencies, but they make up for it by by just being good basketball players and tough. I will say before <clears throat> Nebraska's last game, there was more chatter in the eating area of the media about Creighton. Than there has been all year. Yeah. After that, when people were, I mean, I think people, even in Lincoln, even if they don't want to admit it, there's kind of a, I think there's kind of an eye like, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is actually the year that Creighton can kind of make a run. Um, I think it's because of those three guards. I think March is all about guards, and Creighton, when they step onto the floor, they generally have either the best guard out there or the second, third, and fourth best guard out there. And, um, they just I think the edge is different too. I mean, I think that we saw that yeah. first first half of the Nebraska Creighton game. Creighton wasn't messing around. They weren't gonna let anything that Nebraska was gonna do. And now Nebraska's obviously not very good, but Creighton also came out and said, like, we're gonna make sure that you know that we're so much better than you and just make you feel bad about it. And I think that that Villanova win was huge because I think again, the big East being what the big east is villanova you got to knock off the champ if you're going to be the champ and i think oh, yeah. that that was kind of a message like to the whole conference like hey we're we're not messing around anymore you know fair or not creighton's reputation under mcdermott has been a little soft uh it's a finesse program uh skill uh passing uh the phrase beautiful basketball mm-hmm. uh, they love beautiful basketball it's, well beautiful basketball is great but the things marcus zagrowski does is also beautiful basketball <laughs> Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't take any crap from anybody, and he's got an East Coast edge to him. Um, that's that, that, that's that's another cliche I'll throw out there. East mm-hmm. Coast edge, but it's true. Uh, he's a baller, and um, they haven't had that. Uh, you know, Mo Watson gave him that, and then all of a sudden he was gone, and they uh, kind of lost their way. Um, so this is 
Yeah, boy, thinking of Justin Patton on this team. <laughs> it's a whole other show, but <laughs> between Roby and Patton, but um, they could have had guys like that, or uh, you know, a uh, Kyrie. Oh my goodness! But uh, but I, I enjoy watching Christian Bishop. He's really developed a lot. He's he's playing well, and uh, so I say those three guards. Everything feeds off them. They they rub off on everybody. Yeah, it's interesting because I just kind of went back and forth with a with a fan on Twitter today about Creighton, you know, if, if it had one more big man, what what that would do to sort of the perception of what we think this team's capable of. And and I, like, I, I caught myself a little bit because I actually kind of think, you know, Creighton has a certain ceiling. Every team has a, a ceiling. I think that Creighton might still have the pieces to get to its ceiling. It's just that the odds of it reaching that point are less without that additional, like without depth inside. Uh, with Christian Bishop and Kelvin Jones being your only five, your only bigs, like the chances of you actually reaching your pinnacle are, are much lower than if you had another piece. But I will say that uh, the emergence of Denzel Mahoney is, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I feel like I can confidently say that Creighton has a chance to get to where it could be to reach its potential. Um, because, you know, if, if Christian Bishop or Kelvin Jones is off or in foul trouble or banged up, you bring in Denzel Mahoney, put him at the five, and um, they're able to maintain and hold their ground enough defensively um, on one end and then on the other end put teams in incredibly difficult binds uh, defensively to try to defend a five-guard lineup. Um, that was interesting because I asked Xavier's coach, Travis Steele, after the Creighton-Xavier game a couple weeks ago about just matching up against Creighton because that game, to me, was one of the more fascinating games of the year because Xavier went super big. Uh, Xavier had kind of been in a, a little bit of a, uh, hit a hit a lull and needed a jump start. And so they decided to start two 6'9", 6'10", guys, and then a 6'8", guy at the three. And so that was the game before they played Creighton. They came to Omaha and started that same exact lineup. So you've got like three bigs, essentially, and their two guard is Najee Marshall, who's like 6'7". So essentially like three bigs, a wing, and then like a 6'4". Six five point guard with six eleven wingspan, so super big team versus Creighton's small ball approach. And after the game, Travis Steele was like, "Yeah, they're a mismatch for us." And you think, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> because that yeah. it should be the other way around, right? You guys got the size, and and Xavier killed him well, and killed him in yeah. the paint, got a ton of offensive rebounds, but couldn't defend him on the other end. And Denzel Mahoney was the reason why. That, that's kind of what I was getting at, is because you know I asked Travis, "Okay, hey." What about the what about Creighton gives you what's what's the mismatch there? He brought up the three guards as we've talked about. Um, they're obviously able to uh, shoot it, pass it, um, work to, work together as a as a unit. Those three guards are really good. But Denzel Mahoney is kind of the X factor. Um, his ability, if you put all your attention to stopping those three guards, suddenly you leave Denzel Mahoney in a one on one situation um, against a lesser defender. Sometimes a five, a lot of times a slower footed defender. And he's, he's been able to, especially against Villanova, um, he had 15 of his 21 points in the second half. Um, he's been able to exploit those mismatches. So, so, Do you think that that'll happen more and more as the season Well, I think here, teams like are going to have to adjust at some point. Yeah. Like They're not going to be able to say, all right, we'll just let, let, him try let Denzel Mahoney yeah. go one-on-one. Um, they're learning about him, and, and you know he had an adjustment period, and I feel like he's settling in. But now teams are going to adjust, so he's going to have to adjust again, and Creighton's going to have to adjust too. But I think what the Jays are hoping is that it will open things up a little bit more for 
Marcus Zagrowski for Tyshawn Alexander for Mitch right. Ballack because you got well, to we, at least you can't just let him go, which right. is what teams have done over the last couple. Well, we weeks. we heard Steve Wojo say that the very first game. This is a mismatch for us. Uh, this was a hard game, and you could tell the old the old Dukey point guard. He was, was was probably a little jealous. Mm-hmm. He probably loved the way they play. That's how we played, and uh, you know Denzel. He kind of fits the fabric of this team. That's why it works. He's got a little edge to him too. He, he will take it to the to the hoop. He will get fouled. Um, he's, he's he plays fearless. Uh, that's what I like about this team. They're fearless. Uh, they don't back down. And uh, <laughs> you know you, you got Mitch Ballack out there. Knocking down things from from like forty feet, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. I'll take it. I don't care, and that's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, he literally he made one from the logo. I don't know what his percentage is out there, but it's got to be ridiculous. From the logo, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just pulls from the logo like it's nothing. And uh, well, and, I was gonna say, is he actually shooting forty six percent from three? Yeah, that's ludicrous. Yeah, I mean, he's he in Big East play alone. He's forty eight percent. He's leading leading the league in three. He made it from yeah. uh, he made it from Udora. Uh, uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You've been to Lawrence Candace. Right. It's, right. It's basically was, on the uh, front doorstep of moment, Lawrence Candace. There was a moment in the Xavier game where um, this was, I think it was after Balak pulled from the logo and, and made it, where he pump faked from about 30 feet out. And mm-hmm. Najee Marshall had to like go up to him and like contest the shot. He kind of like flinched a little bit and, and rose his hand up. Just to say, like I'm there, and then Najee like smiled. Yeah, like, are you serious? Yeah, like, you, well, I just had to come out right. <laughs> 30 feet to, to to show to make sure you didn't shoot that. This right. is ridiculous. Right, this, right. You remember uh, Rocky? I don't think you covered Rocky, but I didn't. But I remember. But yeah, th- 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 I mean, just how ridiculous he was. I remember the NBA scouts coming to watch Doug. We're watching Rocky going. Maybe we should be looking at this guy. And they're just shaking their heads, going, "What is he doing?" Yeah, and um, I forget Chris Mack. She's going. What are you supposed to do with that? And so, Creighton's have got some of that going right now. Well, so, so and that also shows me like that means that you have two guys, Zigarowski and Mitch Ballock. Ballock now, right? Uh, yeah, he says he doesn't care. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I, I don't even know. It, it's kind of ingrained in my psyche. Right. it's going to be hard to change. But I think Sorry, th- I, the, the, that story shows me that he and Marcus Zigarowski are both guys that are like. They have that edge, like Christian, like like Mitch Ballack's gonna make you think about that from thirty-five feet. He's in your head, and you also have Marcus Zagraska, who's just gonna like I view him as like a underground boxer who's just gonna keep throwing punches until you know he's worn out, yeah. but he doesn't ever get worn out. So that that that's the edge I think that you're talking about. That's right. it right there. And then I still think that Tyson Alexander might actually be better than both of them that just in my world and so that so um, i think a, he's, if you talk about all around game because yeah. what he's doing right now in the defensive end yeah. is incredible that's he's, such an x for you right yeah he he, he is uh yeah. he's become one of the elite perimeter defenders in the league uh he he went toe-to-toe with sadiq bay at, at at villanova on saturday and i don't know if i'd say shut him down but certainly held him held him down mm-hmm. um and he's done that Repeatedly, every you look at Marcus Howard's number, at Mar- Mar- Marquette Marcus Howard's numbers against Creighton, he scored 18 points, and you're thinking that's a pretty good night. But mm-hmm. then you look at his numbers, he's like 30, 35, right. 32, 28, 31. Right. You know, and so what Tyshawn did against Marcus Howard, that was kind of like the the moment when he sort of um, jumped on the scene and everyone took notice. But he's put together a really good year defensively, and so and we know what he can do offensively. Um, yeah, that. It's interesting. They they've got a lot of a lot of pieces, and 
the flaws are there certainly because if they don't shoot it well suddenly uh the offense loses a little bit of its punch and uh you know if they get in foul trouble they could get exploited inside and um but the way they've been playing ball over the last two to three weeks, well, I think, uh, yeah, gives I've, you a lot of optimism. And it's certainly not a great Villanova team. But, again, whenever you go in there and win like that, it changes the whole narrative. And okay, we all know better than t- to dream too big with Creighton. We all know better than to jump ahead. But, man, if you look at college basketball, and you, go find any of those brackets, any of, any of those uh, – the bracketologists, you know, the the Ghostbusters guys, as I call them, the, you know, you know, show me your degree, you know. You're gonna, I, <laughs> it's, I, I love that line uh, where 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 uh, the, the Bill Murray character says, "Back off, man! I, I'm a, I'm a scientist." That's how he's bracket. I saw Joe and Artie. Right. I'm important, man. I'm gonna I've got a degree in this, but uh, check out any of those guys in the brackets. I mean, there's not a lot of great teams. Mm-hmm. In college basketball, there's not a lot of teams where you'd say, "Well, Creighton can't ever win that game." You know why not? Why not? Why not? Why not? There's a lot of them in every bracket where you'd go, "Okay, why not?" Because they play well and they they have to defend. But uh, we're talking about you know also about adding somebody, adding a big guy. Sometimes the chemistry is just right. Sometimes if you, if you took a big guy and put him on this team. It, it might screw things up. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I know. I it, when I think about it, and I've watched them the last couple of weeks, I think about how perfectly it's working right now. You got four guys, the three guards, Denzel, um, who are they're they're all four of them in conference play are averaging um, like twelve or more a game. Like they're yeah. they're those four are in the top twenty in scoring in the conference. Creighton's the only team with four four players in the top twenty in individual scoring. Um, and then you got big men like Christian Bishop and Kelvin Jones who just play their role. Like they're perfectly fine yeah. doing what they do. Den- Damian Jefferson is is fine going, uh, you know, kind of being a slasher, uh, attacking in transition, grabbing boards. Like they, everyone has found their 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 niche, and that's that's the and the greatest weapon in sports, especially college basketball, is team chemistry. And where everybody has a role, and they just go out and do it. They don't need. They don't want the. Uh, the attention. There's nobody on Creighton's team who has to be the guy. Um, I'll tell you right now, John. This is, you know, a big piece toward the postseason for them. If they could go to the Garden and they could win the Big East, uh, Big East tournament, that might put a little, you know, thing. Uh, uh, might plan to see like, hey, we're pretty good. Yeah, we can go do this. And I, I think that confidence is already there. But sometimes you need a little more, a little proof. And you know you, you, you need to go. You need, you need to go bring home something. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they could do that this year. I really do. Um, you know, Seton Hall. We've seen them up and down. Um, uh, you know, Nova always rises to the occasion there. But I've seen you know I've seen Creighton get to that championship game a couple times. Um, you know, we'll see. But um, um, it's funny the, the the standards. You know, you know a lot of Big East teams. Not a lot, but several. The Big East was built on getting to the Final Four and, and being on ESPN <laughs> back in the mm-hmm. day. And, you know, Creighton gets the Sweet 16. Oh, it'd be the greatest thing ever. We, we, you know, you have to build statues. It's just like if, uh, if, 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 if uh, the, the Fred Hoiberg wins the game. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, get get to that second weekend and and then you know and just keep going. But um, I, it could happen this year. Well, I mean, I, again, I'll get the brackets. There's not a lot of games where you say no way. Well, they also, I mean, think about just. I mean, I'm sure Creighton fans do it all the time. But just think about if you beat K State a couple years ago. There's no reason why you're not in the Elite Eight. Yeah, Crane fans don't like to think about that. So that's my point, though. That it's, it's all about it's all about the, who you match up with, and you all, you can always count on something weird happening. That's the biggest you regret, I mean? the biggest regret, and the, the biggest whiff in that in the program's history. Yeah. So that stings. And so I I, th- I agree with you, Tom. I think I think biggest tournament is going to be super interesting. I think they have a chance to win. I think that. So I, we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'm curious both of your perspectives. Is is it fair for Creighton fans to start to think that this is the team that finally makes it to that second weekend. Well, you can't ever think. You can't ever plan. You can't. You can think it, but you can't plan. Like, can on you it. start dreaming about it though? Can you legitimately? Because I think a lot of, again, I think a lot of Creighton fans don't I really th- want to talk about that. They just want to kind of live in the moment, go win by win. Like we'll, get, we'll talk about when we get there. Kind of like Nebraska making a bowl game now. I want to see tomorrow night. That's a heck of a tough game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Providence is really good. And, 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 so the answer is no. Providence take a game by game. Providence. Well, remember, I remember we were sitting down. In the media room in Nebraska, and all these Nebraska writers are checking their phones. They're all watching the Providence Creighton game on on Twitter. Oh, they did this. Oh, they did that. Here comes you know, Providence. Uh, uh, the guy's name was David Duke or something. Yeah, he kept making shots, and, when, and all of a sudden Creighton won. Like they made a couple plays, and they won. Um, I mean, Providence is gonna be tough, and so I want to see Creighton. You know, show up again. Keep showing up every week. That's, yeah, what I, that's what I'm curious about too, Tom. Is like now that Creighton's kind of got some attention, how do you handle it? Right. I mean, the last time they w- jumped into the rankings, they immediately lost to Georgetown, and that, I don't know if that was there's a really uh, a correlation there or not. I don't know. Georgetown played pretty well that day, but they're going to play a Providence team that's playing desperate right now. And Creighton, if Creighton wants to stay in the title hunt for the Big East. Uh, championship regular season title, which they do. Um, if they want to keep improving their seating, yeah. which they do, stay in the rankings, which they do. Like they got to bring that urgency. They got to be ready to match what Providence is going to bring. And then the other thing is they play St. John's on Saturday, and St. John's is a week off. St. John's is hurting. They just blew a big time lead against Georgetown. Uh, St. John's is going to bring a different style, something that Creighton hasn't seen yet this year with its pressing, um, its athleticism, its length. These two games to me are, um, you know, those are. As, as important as going to Villanova and making a statement was, you have to kind of back it up almost. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. You're, you're always, you're, you you're always, keep going. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what this week's about. It's kind of like backing it up. Like, okay, you, you said what you said, but now let's see if I, you can keep I it I think up. they will because of who they are. But you're right. We're going to learn a lot more about who they are this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to note one thing about the Big East title race. We'll see, again, what Creighton does against Providence. But if the Jays are able to win that game, uh, they would move to 7-3 and three in league play. And I think they finished with five of their final eight at home. And they, Seton Hall's in there twice, but uh, Seton Hall and Villanova have not played yet. So both of, they're going to have those two teams that are ahead of them in the standings will play each other. Um, so that's that's another re- – I mean, I said it just a second ago, but like that's why this game on Wednesday is important because if, if the Jays can get it, then uh, they keep pace with the two teams. That the, are very, the, the very first Doug team finished second. No other Creighton team has finished that high. So yeah, tied for third is his best that yeah. the Jays have done. So what were they projected? Well, I had him fourth. The league picked him seventh. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, right. That's why I said. I, say, they'll, they'll, I mean, he's coach of the year that, right yeah. now. I, I think I think he's coach of the year uh, 
Everybody thought Seton Hall was going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody thought Creighton was going to do this. Um, so, but we're but we're halfway there too. So we'll, exactly, we'll keep, keep it going. Uh, yeah, let's switch it over to okay. to the Huskers seven in a row. That's the the losing streak at this mm-hmm. point, and um, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Uh, and, well, you noted at the top that it was like. Was this the first time that Fred Hoiberg sort of like expressed frustration? This was the first. Let, let it this, show. This he probably the, expressed it. This was the most upset I've seen him. Yeah, and I think that he had reason to be. Um, I mean, the the one thing that he has always harped on is, yeah, we lost at Wisconsin. Yeah, we lost at Rutgers. Yeah, we've lost five, six in a row, but we're competing and we're out there and we're trying hard and we're doing all this things. This was the first time this year you could even say or. That's not fair. First time in 2020, first time probably since Creighton, that Nebraska, they didn't, I mean, they almost didn't have an interest being there. I mean, there was a point, you know, when there's 13 minutes left in the game and everyone turns to each other and goes, this is over. Because you can see the way that they're competing, which is a lack thereof. They didn't really compete until the end of that game. Um, And you could tell on the sidelines, I mean, Fred Hoiberg really does not show a lot of emotion. And it was the most emotional I had seen him on the sideline. You could tell he was so angry. And you know, he, he, there was one point where he crumpled up a piece of paper and threw it behind the bench. And it was like, so I think from his perspective, he had seen progress. And you can say that we're, you know, that they're seeing progress even through losses if you're out there competing. That was the thing that during the 10-game losing streak at Iowa State his first year, he always talked about that Penn State game for the second year in a row, I mean, Nebraska at Penn State last year was basically what sealed Tim Miles' fate. Penn State this year, Pat Chambers comes in with a really good team. I really think that they're good. And they only lost by 12, but it wasn't that competitive. I mean, it was it was pretty much over once the once that second half started. I loved it. I love seeing that because, you know, we all know that this is, like I call it the, the, the hall pass season. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you're building, there's no pressure, there are no expectations. You're just trying to get everything, everything installed, and and but one of the things you're installing is a way to play basketball, mm-hmm. a way to show up, a way to you know, you're, they're 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 not pros, but you know it's you know you you got to you got you got you got to be a, a you know a, 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 a pro basically, show up and do your job. So, um, and I get it. All these guys and they're playing together. There's really not a lot of chemistry there. They've been trying to they've been trying to build it on the run, and uh, the guy here. A lot of times, you know, the point guard, the best player on the team, has to be the leader, and a lot of these follow the leader. And the leader is he gets suspended, acts like he, maybe he's late for something. Everybody's got a reason to be late, but there's no reason to be late, and so. That, that I think that it was a big weekend because yep. he got suspended and then he didn't score. Yep, and and they don't play well. One or, I think they only have one or two assists. I like to see fire from Fred. I think it's unacceptable. And uh, yeah, this is a big. This is a year where it's not what expected, but this is expected, and so is this, and so is this. Mm-hmm. So he, he needs to lay down the law this week. And um, this is an important. This is an extremely important week because again, so. We talk about this at nauseum way too much and focus on it in an unbelievable amount. For football, we talk about culture. But I don't think we talk about it enough you know, for basketball. That's what this week is. This right. is a bye week right. where you take off the numbers, you take off the, the names in the jersey, and you say, there's no starters this week. 
you're going to earn a starting spot and we're going to play who wants to compete. Yeah. Like, would it shock me if Charlie Easley started? No. Was that the, you know, is Charlie Easley one of the best five players? No. Is he, is he going to score a lot? No. But it's, he's a, it's a point. Like, it is a specific, Charlie's getting on the floor, and he's not scoring a lot, but he's doing the things Fred Hoiberg wants to do. And in this season, you can get away with that because you're going to give up some things having Charlie Easley out there. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you're pointing out to everybody else on the bench, this is who I want. This is how this, I want you to play. This and, is a good and so thing. This is, the way, this is the way this is. I think they're in not necessarily like desperation mode, but they're definitely in a point where, you know, Hoiberg is upset and – it was really disappointing, I think, for the coaching staff and for fans to see Cam Mack play that way. Because one's the third time he's been benched or suspended for the for the beginning of a game, and it's the first time I believe since the Creighton game. And so I think everyone thought that he was he was over it. He was coming into that game scoring 18 points a game. He was having maybe the best four game stretch of his early career. Mm. Kind of looked like he was moving along just fine. Mm. And then for that to happen, it kind of just, it's a couple steps backward. And I think it, that's what was so disappointing to, to Hoiberg about and, Well, and we don't, we, there's no reason to overreact either. Mm-hmm. This team has played hard most of the year, mm-hmm. and they have shown up. That's why I kind of thought it was yeah. inter- uh, interesting. Not- I, I mean, they're playing good teams. Like, sure. The la- was at seven, they've lost right. seven in a row, mm-hmm. and six of them are NCAA tournament caliber teams like they're probably all going to be in the NCAA tournament they're all better than Nebraska Mm -hmm. some of them significantly like Penn State's significantly better than Nebraska so it's like I mean I I get I get what you guys are saying that you want to lay down the standard like this is what it's supposed to be like but again it's like dude they're they're just better yeah that that team is just better coaching coaching's a funny thing the 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 timing of when to drop the hammer when not to yeah Yeah. and I really think uh yeah he, he 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 he, he 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 could have cut them a break and said, "Yeah, all this tough teams every week. You know, it's hard." But sometimes you drop the hammer right there. Okay, no, I'm not letting you get away with that. We're gonna be tougher right now, and uh, then he can cut them a break later when they least expect it. Mm-hmm. But I think I thought the timing of this was what I thought was was very good because he's got to let them know. Look, you're playing in the Big Ten. It's like this every year, mm-hmm. and so every game. So just get used to it. And here we go. And you can't, you, you can't take a step back. But they have been good. They have, they have tried hard. Um, I think you have to allow also that they're not, they're not going to postseason. Mm-hmm. They're not, yeah. they're not. They're, it's harder. It's when you know you're not, and and maybe you know you've got talent enough to maybe do it, not this year but next year. It's it's almost like they're kind of on probation this year. You can't right, you're not right. you can't go. So what are you gonna do? Uh it's harder to show up every day. Yeah. It, it is. It's just human nature. So uh I I thought it was perfect. Um but he know he knows his team and he, he knows what what he can get away with. Just don't walk him out of the building. Yeah. I don't think I don't think he'll do that. I, I will say it, it's a good point because like you're right. You you don't want to fault like Nebraska is obviously worse than Penn State. They like they weren't going to win that game. Penn State's extremely good. I think Pat Chambers. I think that this this was kind of his team. Um, this is kind of their moment. So you can't fault them too much for losing because I, I was I had lunch with a buddy the other day and he was like, so what's going on with the basketball team? And my buddy's like six five, you know two two forty, and I was like, here's here's the problem. If you and I wrestled, you're going to beat me. 
and that's that's Nebraska basketball this year. They're just they're just smaller. They're just not as good. Like if we if we wrestled ten times, you'd beat me ten times. That's the way the basketball team is. But I think what was so disappointing is even it's like if I showed up to wrestle my my friend, but I was like in jeans and like I had gotten four hours of sleep the night before, and I was like, let's just get this over. With. Didn't get it. Get, and didn't just give didn't really, just didn't yeah. really give myself a chance. And that, and so that's why I think what was so frustrating for the coaching staff was they were like, I thought that we were over this. Now, again, it's a long season. There are some nights when you show up and that's the way you're, you are. You're lethargic. You could, they could show up at Iowa and be ready to go and be a new team after a good week of practice. Like that's how things cycle through. Um, but it's a good point though. Like the Big Ten is extremely good right now. I think it's if Nebraska finishes where they are right now in the Big Ten. I think they're a 13 seed they would be slated to either play Ohio State or Michigan in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> Think about that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't Ohio that just State, a, the team that, like, was, num- uh, was, was number, number five the, earlier. Number one in the country. Right. And Michigan was up there. I don't know. They went from undefeated, or they went from unranked to five. I mean, Michigan I has beaten you saw Michigan, yeah. Ohio State has beaten. Right now, Nebraska yeah. play Michigan. That's um, what? Yes. And, and you just had Nebraska's schedule, and we just t- I just talked about how tough it was, like, the last five, six games. Like these next five are, it's it's harder. Like yes, what they, they are, went through yes. was really hard, well, but Purdue this is even and, tougher. When uh, when, when uh, uh, Matt Painter is at the bottom of the, you know one of the one of the chances you have to win, that's a problem. Right, that's right. a problem. They so, don't get so Purdue you get anymore, so though. you get Iowa and Luca Garza, then you get Maryland, who's uh, very good. You I have mean, Wisconsin, who's going to get Brad Davison back, and they're going to be upset. I mean, then you got Michigan State, and then you got Illinois, who I believe is at the top of the league. Yeah. And then you get Ohio State, who's going to be you know, desperate. Exactly. Probably. Then you get Northwestern, well, a reprieve on March first, and, and then Michigan again, and then you have to go. They have to go to Minnesota on Sunday, and then they'll play in many in Indianapolis on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Well, the, um, and starting Saturday, the Hawkeyes, you know, you know, want a piece of Fred, the, the right? Uh, yes, they do. Yes, the fans will be waiting for him. Exactly, and because uh, he's like five and one against them. So. Yeah, <laughs> um, but or he might be seven and one now this year. But, I think, um, yeah, I think he's lost to them once or it's twice. It's funny. Um, yeah. But here, okay, Chris, here's my question. Uh, going forward, you, you know, the staff and his team, the roster. How much do you think Fred is going to be looking at the roster going forward going, okay, is he evaluating who he wants to have on the team next year? Um, I don't know overtly, but I think – Who's going to show like, up for me? Who's going to play hard? Yeah, I mean, I think he's who's, definitely like, – That's definitely a conversation. going to have an attitude? Yeah, that's who's definitely not going to show up? He's not going to get rid of Cam Mack, but I'm saying – Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that I – th- I don't think that he's running guys off. But I think he, – here's what I would say, though. But but there's a way if you you can't Here's help what me. I would say. Here's what well, I would the summer guys just disappear. Here's what I would say. What they did with Donovan Williams, they could do with players currently on the team, which is this. They told Donovan Williams, "Listen, you're committed to us. Great, you can come here. You can come here. Well, I don't know how much you're going to play, but we're going to honor that commitment. But we're also going to continue to recruit players yeah. that might be in your position." But we're going to try and get as much talent as we can as fast as possible. So you right. can come here if you want. Mm-hmm. But if not, you can go somewhere else. So what they could say is, listen, this person, this person, we're bringing in some guys that are that are playing kind of playing your position. But we want you to try and beat them out. You can stay and compete or you can go somewhere else. And I think that that could definitely happen. I, would, I mean, it's college basketball attrition is a total normal thing. I also think, and I asked some people – for some questions um, on Twitter and they, one of them asked kind of a similar thing is um, 
who basically are, are, are is this coaching staff looking at next season? Absolutely. Like absolutely 100%. They're they're I don't know if they would, they come out and say it, but notable to me in that Penn State loss after the Penn State loss and then on the radio the other night, Fred Hoberg starts bringing up the transfers. And he starts bringing up the recruiting class. And this is what Scott Frost did. When t- Scott Frost didn't want to talk about really how bad his team was, he talked about the future. And these are the things why you need to be, you know, kind of stick with us. That was the first time that Fred Hoiberg's done that. And, and yeah. I don't think he's given up on the team by any means. No. But it's the first time that he has acknowledged, hey, like we have things in, kind of cooking. And Pat Chambers did the same thing. When I asked Pat Chambers, what do you think about Nebraska and what Fred's doing? He said, I see a lot of talent in street clothes. And so that's that's the thing is I think that the roster next year will look different than this year. I think there'll be guys that stay. I think there'll be guys that leave. I got an interesting question from someone that asked if, you know, Ivan, Kevin Cross, or Akol could redshirt, which they could because, like, why not? Yeah. Why not? Like I, I, because I think imagine, Kevin, imagine either one of those guys should they right. have redshirted, yeah. maybe even probably. Like, yeah. I, Ivan is a should be a junior in high school right now. Yeah, he's so not. Like, I think that so he be, could redshirt. I don't know if he'd redshirt next year. They don't. They still need size. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I, I think see your, I can see a call redshirt. Yeah. I think Nebraska kind of feels like as uh, the way they're running this program is like the revolving door is going to be constantly circling mm-hmm. and people are going to yeah. be going in and out and, and in you and might out, have which isn't a necessarily a bad thing especially in this day and age in college especially basketball with where this you can specific this is it, the first yeah. year of a pro that hap- the first two or three years of no program, but i think that's how it's going to happen yeah, yeah i think that's how i think that's how they wanted to d- design it though because right. they want to get uh they're constantly well, looking for the uh, for talent and, and, they, and, they, and, they, and I think yeah. they assume that when they get that talent, they find those pieces that they're not going to be there for very long. Mm-hmm. And they may not chase anybody off. There might be guys who just leave. I'm, oh, I don't want to be here, or I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's this what I'm what, saying. This yeah. isn't what I thought. Yeah, I'm out. And um, and if the, the, the Big Ten is is not pushing this rule that you can leave and and be, and, and be eligible immediately, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to happen a lot. Yeah, and that would benefit Nebraska. And then we'll help them this year, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I, I, I do think it's. I think that there are some. Even if that was rule was in place, I do think that there would be times when Nebraska would want to redshirt somebody. Like I think Delano Banton is going to be extremely good next year, in part because of this redshirt season, building weight and all that. It's, it's that but, transfer thing is so such an interesting topic because the the way that the conversation goes, it tends to center a lot on like student athlete welfare and like mm-hmm. player rights is kind of what oh if they want to be able to transfer right away they should be and play right away they should be able to and like i want to agree with that mm-hmm. but then i see examples like marcus foster who i know would have wanted to play right away but if you asked him today now that he's years removed from it he would have been like that year was huge for me yeah to sit out to blend into creighton's culture uh to kind of get my head on, head on straight like it was a big deal yeah um, I think Antoine Jones for Creighton is going through that right now. Like the, uh, it's a total sort of different dynamic that he went from a team in Memphis, Anthony Hardaway, you know, bringing in all those five stars, like the way that they ran their program to Creighton, which is kind of more collaborative by nature mm-hmm. and kind of uh, a unified approach and kind of a developmental program type thing. He's had to adjust uh, some things and, and, I think it's, he'll be better for it, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting. I it don't is. know. I don't I, know what the right answer yeah. is. It's, it's the okay. right rule at the wrong time because of the mentality in today's world. Yeah, that's a good point. Select. Yeah, I don't want to get on the select youth sports, but by God, there's a mentality there. Kids growing up, the parents, 
if I don't like this coach, we're leaving. Yeah. And and these high school kids now are doing the, the LeBron James thing where I'm going to go with, with two or three other guys and we're going to go over here and play mm-hmm. for high school, not just college. So, um, yeah, if it's like if I don't like what I'm doing, I'm going to go somewhere else and do it, and you can't stop me. The one thing I will say, the, I think some of the anxiety from the coach's perspective – so Fred Hoiberg talked about this last night on his radio show, which is he just they just don't like the waiver process because they don't know there's no precedent. So they can feel extremely right. good about a waiver and they can start planning their season out with this kid being on the roster and then it doesn't happen. Well, yeah. And then you have to uh, right. recalibrate. So Fred so Fred Hoiberg's thing that he said on the radio last night was I just want it to either be they're eligible or they're not. That there's no gray gray area where it's either everybody is eligible or everybody well, isn't, and we go back to what it was, or we do something totally new. It's going to mm-hmm. be eligible in today's world. Mm-hmm. There's more of a leaning toward helping kids now than there ever has been before. But is it help? That, does or, that help? I don't even know if it helps. Right. That doesn't. doesn't like, I think so it helps the, a lot of players. So here's the other thing. But so sometimes it doesn't. It wouldn't help. Does everybody. it help them graduate? Do they? Yeah. But I think the fact that they can only do it once and without sitting out. Mm-hmm. That's that that, 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 that that's going to keep them there. They're not just going to bounce around in programs. So. And but let's localize it real quick. Would Nebraska be better off this year with its transfers? Absolutely. But is it going to benefit them in the long run? The fact that those three guys sat out this year, I think so. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think they have cultivated. You know, those three guys, Delano Banton, Shamil Stevenson, Derek Walker. They do their own workouts together. They watch road games. You know, ro- road um, games together. They. Um, like they are cultivating their own little thing, and they're that this is what they did at Iowa State, where they had Chris Babb, and they had all these transfers that became their own clique. And then when they came on to actually become eligible, it was like you just got like a superhero, like you just you gained something that you just didn't have before because those three guys were together. Now, and I think this year again, so it's the Hall Pass year, so you get to work on these guys, try and build the system, and then when it matters, you have all the pieces. You know what I mean? So, but, but I, I, I'm going through this now. We're 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 going to send our oldest daughter to M I Z Z O U next year, Missouri. Gross. And thank you. And so, but we think it's going to be a great fit. We don't know. Sure. Yeah. So every kid in college goes through that, right? Mm-hmm. Where they go to college, you're, I don't know about this. This wasn't what I thought. I'm I'm out. Mm-hmm. Well, athletes should be able to do that too. Mm-hmm. And but if any kid, well. I don't think parents are going to let their kid bounce from school to school every year. You can't do that. But I, th- I think if you do it once, it's not bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's also not bad to stay and, and, and just stick it out. Mm-hmm. You'll have friends next year. You'll probably, hey, you know, not, not, next semester will be better. You'll have a better roommate. Hang in there. Better classes, better professors. Um, just wait it out of you. Well, keep, again, it, keep to, it going. To localize so Thor. I think, I, think, I think that there's um, – both sides of it have an argument, but uh, I, I certainly don't mind it. Yeah, I, the, the only thing I was going to say was I, the example for that is Thor. Yeah. Thor. Thor did not transfer. He did not leave, even when he wasn't playing. And now he's going to go down as one of the fundamental pieces of the Fred Hoiberg guy. He's a fun guy. The, the, the TV guys love him. Oh, yeah. They all Whenever they come in to do an Nebraska game, it's all Thor this, Thor that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, boy, you better watch him. You better guard him. And, and they, he's like he's like he's like a fun character for all these guys. And it's, and it's in one, and I don't mean this in, in a super negative way, but Penn State um, 
focused a lot of their attention on Thor. I know, that's great. Like, they, they tried to take away <laughs> Thor, which, awesome. one, says something about where Nebraska is as a program. But two also says like this is Thor is starting to t- like catch attention of people like it's, it's fun. It's, so it's, so I think that's now. the argument of, of staying and sticking it out. Um, I will say though, just where Nebraska is right now, I think the Iowa game and the Maryland game in the next week or so, um, they're not obviously it's not make or break, but it's going to be super super interesting to me because I don't think that Fred Hoiberg is necessarily like losing the team. I don't think that that's in play at all. But I would be interested to see. If you compete against Iowa, that to me says that the Penn State game maybe it was just a blip in the radar. People just showed up in the wrong headspace, like it just it just wasn't quite there. And if they compete in the next couple games, that tells me like okay, that would everything isn't they haven't lost all the progress that they had that the, even during the losing streak they had gained going into that Penn State game. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. We'll see. We end the podcast, Tom, uh, by predicting. Uh, if Creighton and Nebraska were to play today, who would win? Creighton. <clears throat> By how much? Well, Nebraska would get off to a better start. Um, yeah, it would be closer. It would probably be 10, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I can't figure that out. I mean, Nebraska kind of – you don't always know what you're going to yeah, get. Yeah, you don't. Um, but um, I would love to watch the point guard matchup. You know, somebody Cam Mack starts the game. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> hasn't, hasn't missed a meeting. Starts the game and is on his game. What does Nebraska do with Denzel Mahoney this time? Well, they, have, they wouldn't have a. Hey, what's Creighton do with Charlie Easley this time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Point hard. Right. So I think um, no, Creighton yeah. would win by double digits for me. Twenty-five, maybe. Well. Uh, I mean, if they played like they did against Penn State, I think it's 25. I yeah. think if they played like they did against Rutgers, 10. Yeah, right. Well, Tom, thank you for joining yeah, us. I appreciate the thanks. insight. Uh, we'll be back in the short term. Not quite sure. I think it'll be next week. Hope so uh, for another edition of the Half Court Press. Until then, check out our stuff, Omaha.com. We got you covered for the local on the local hoop scene. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back at you soon. Thank you.